wreck. Yeah, no, I I figured. Yeah, just going. Oh, oh. The MIA is back. After you got to be like, it's it's got to lead in. You got to say like, have you heard the language of the birds? Okay. Are you receiving my frequency? Do you understand what I'm saying? I, there's actually birds outside right now responding to you. I know, because I have begun a lifelong process of learning the language of the birds, the language of nature, and thus the language of God itself. This is, like I think, one of the keys to magic that many... Christians in particular would not grasp because they view the kind of the sixth day as the most important when when God makes man as being more significant than all of God's other creations. When in fact it is merely it is the cherry on top. And one one does not simply eat the cherry. They enjoy the entire milkshake or the entire ice cream sundae. And the world is an ice cream sundae meant to be slurped down by a cream goon. We are meant to take full joy. Did God even create writing in the seven days? I feel like he sent Jesus or Thoth or I, I feel like Adam and Eve didn't even have writing. They were just chilling without the uh, the corrupting. Well, this is where we get into it that, in fact, writing has existed in practice for you know millions and millions of years before man birds write and i would re- i would say deer write as well um when but and this is similar to kind of how god writes through ley lines through energetic pathways it just takes zooming out to see the intricacy of the writing but birds, when they step on sand, they make tracks. Or when animals tread, they leave paths. You can read their footprints. We've just gotten very good at manipulating our paws to be able to express. But when you see a lot of bird tracks in a certain place, you can tell, oh, shells here or crab here. You know it means food or if there's not many, it might mean no food. Um, but you can read animal. You can read the tracks and trails of animals as writing itself. And this is why a lot of the early human languages reflect bird claws. They look like uh, claw. Some people even call it, you know, writing with a claw. Uh, or some hand, some ways of writing are called claw. Um, so writing and speech both of which birds have mastered best of the animals maybe other than monkeys and both of which are the animals of mercury parrots and birds and monkeys are they communicating with each other or are they communicating to god or is there even the need of a receiver to understand the writing I'd have to, I don't, I, you know, I haven't really looked into it, but I do know that um, there are marks that are read by animals. 
um, sense as well, but that's a bit more, you know, difficult, but you know, there's a record that I have that's a, a scent, a scent record. There's a special like record player that you put it in and it makes it smell. There's like incense in the record. What does it smell like? I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, it's got birds on it too. It's like ultimate, ultimate Gemini record stereo. What does it smell like? I don't know. I you have you it. have it, but you've never played it. I don't have a scent record player. I thought you just said you have a scent record. I have a scent record, but not a scent record player. It needs a special. We, we need to get it. We need to know what it's. I know. I, I want, and this is like we're going to release special MIA episodes on scent record, and nobody's going to be able to know the secret meaning of it because there's probably only like ten of these players left. The sweet, sweet smell of cream. I guess to. Touch back on the writing, I feel like um, I completely track and follow, you know, the the ibis-headed god as the uh, deliverer of it, the birds. Um, I know we've had conversations about this before where you are out on the beach and you look at, like, seagull prints, and it's kind of like the the earliest symbols that look exactly like particular types of writing. How... um, I guess what what is the origin of writing in your in your research in this? Who who did it first? Undoubtedly Thoth. Um, and I guess of- in terms of peoples that you can trace back as long, like uh, I guess I like, mean I one I view cave painting as writing. It is not merely because writing begins as drawing. All languages begin with ideograms and pictograms. They don't start out as, you know, alphabets. Alphabets are very new. And in a lot of ways, I don't think nearly as advanced as ideogramic systems. I think Egyptian hieroglyphs and Chinese are far more advanced systems. And this is also why. In terms of English, I really value alchemy and zodiac signs and symbols as part of writing. You know, by including these ideogrammic components, and you know, this is really the point of the deck that we made together. The the symbol, the gift of Thoth cards, is that not enough people read the symbols. They they merely say, well, this means this. They don't recognize that it's actually a picture, that these symbols, these zodiac signs are pictures in themselves. And to further elaborate on this, we made this deck of cards so that people can kind of start to understand what symbols are at all. I just read maybe about a week ago for the first time some Manly P. Hall the uh, the secrets of all ages, and he espouses the idea that the truest language, the language of the elites, is symbols throughout all cultures, and that that is the way that maybe very old mysteries are passed down. So, in a lot of ways, this deck is uh, for you uninitiated uh, plebeians. Your your way to study. And, that's, what we, uh, that's what we say. This deck is a key to grasping the secret symbolism of the occult, and it's true. Um, 
symbol, like this is something that's just so unbelievably important. And it's, it's telling that it's also the most derided aspect of public education, where I think maybe the most common joke about English class is like, oh, well, what if, what if the blue drapes are just drapes and the author just made them blue? Like, it doesn't all have to mean something. It's like you have castrated yourself from the greater mysteries. You are accursed and wretched. That is the truth. If you are unwilling to read the symbols, the, the magic of the world around you, you will live in abject misery and deserve nothing. But that is why we are reaching out a life jacket, a, a, a saving grace in the form of this deck of cards. MFers be making jokes in English class, yet also projecting Oedipal fantasies onto their English teacher, falling for symbolic uh, entrappings while also being like, lay English teacher, is uh, the cellar door a symbol for me wanting to shoot myself in the head? Um, <laughs> I feel like this is also kind of part of the, the trouble Something Pajot says that I dig is just that symbolism happens, and it's true. And this is why I think meme analysis is shocking to people sometimes. Like, because I think I can pretty easily demonstrate symbolic lineage of things that are it, but it's not a directly causal link linkage. It's not like people intend to do these things. So, and it's the same for authors. I don't. I don't think symbolic usage in all literature is intentional at all and it wouldn't work as well if it was but if you deride the potential for symbolic significance to anything you will just simply never understand anything at all about what you say and what you create and what you do um Symbol, you know, symbolic thinking, I think, is kind of the highest level of thinking that children can do. Um, because even mathematics reflect reality. They are still a plane of material, whereas the symbolic is the beginning of an extension past the self, past the present, and past the material realm into the greater mystery of life. Um, I could really hagiography myself. I could really jerk myself off with a, a story about myself as a child, symbolic thinking, but I don't know if I'm going to do that. I think um, something you said in that uh, several sentences you just strung together was the idea of, you know, thinking too much about the symbols or trying to, almost create symbol first. And it makes me think of a, a tweet I put out a few days ago, the, the thought I had while I was drinking old fashions at a country club, chumming it up with the MIA <laughs> goons. I was thinking, I found myself in a situation in which um, I was dining with a married couple and the wife of the uh, husband was... Uh, saying very nice compliments to me and it was upsetting the husband and I was just thinking about how I was in this this trope and a lot of the you know the husband was projecting onto me and the wife was projecting onto me and it was making me think about 
how a lot of these sort of energetic alignments that make up famous tropes or, you know, complexes that just arise, you know, you have your, your Tom thumbs, you have your, um, marriages falling apart. You have people having their, their second pass at life. There's like a lot of different ways these stories unfold, but if you just be living and vibing and doing things, it all just comes out on its own. And with art, it's very similar where a lot of the best artists don't know a thing about anything occult, but you'll find they'll like perfectly mimic an archetype or they'll perfectly mimic a really complex story that's been told so many times before. It, you know, there's something wild Oscar Wilde says about art that I think is, is the nature of this. It's like art is too serious to take seriously. Like if you are too critical in your creation, you are a detriment to your own art. Um, it's funny because even though I think a lot of people would think that I am like a, ve- I'm a very critical analytic person in my channel. Um, but when I, when I make films, I completely turn it off to the best of my ability and just kind of let it, let dreams unfold. I don't, I don't try to craft symbolic narratives in the same way. I just let images come to me. Um, but speaking of the automatic experience of archetypes, we are witnessing a grand archetype unfolding before us on the internet in the form of Andrew Tate and his conversion to Islam. Um, so we think about Andrew Tate, who is like, he's, he drives all the nice cars. He sleeps with thousands of women. Um, you know, he's this kind of almost a comical parody of a, a masculine figure with the philosophy to match, but he has now converted to Islam. And what archetype is this but King Solomon the Wise, who experiences all of the great pleasures of the earth, the absolute greatest pleasures that ever were, and in the end he realizes all of this is nothing. All of this is vanity without God. Where, when does he make the keys of Solomon? Because I feel like I'm, I'm going to find it hard to believe that Andrew Tate can do anything that meaningful. I mean, I think Andrew Tate's interaction with the internet is in a lot of ways the mastery of the demons. Like the way that he has utilized the memes and the social media is the mastery of the demons, the modern demons. Um and I'm not also not saying he's like a great guy or a good guy. Like I'm not a fan of Andrew Tate, but I can recognize the the archetypal pattern at play. The the wisdoms I think happen a little bit later, but I mean he uses the demons to build the temple. Uh, a lot of Solomon's great accomplishments are through uh, the demons, the jinn. This is before the conversion or. It's like he's aware of it all, but it's a, it's, you know, just like a lot of things in the Bible and a lot of things in religion, things don't happen once. Like he's in a continuous process of recognizing that it's all for nothing and that God is it. But do you think, um, 
He had 6-9 on his podcast recently, and it's kind of as I would argue, um, if I was going to take a really empirical stance on this, I would say that post-ban, he is having kind of dwindling attention. He's falling into sort of an Alex Jones or um, Trump arc where you're really seeing what happens when you are only on your own platforms. Like he has a click on Rumble. He does stuff with like Steve Will Do It and these random um, other kind of Minotaur-associated characters or like Malachian figures. But I think it's dwindling. And the things I've seen recently are sort of like grasps at, I want another headline, I want another headline. I, I certainly don't think he's going to make it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but one, six nine as a parallel to like one of the demons because he's like everyone is sort of like Nico and all these random like evil motherfuckers online are like coming to be on his podcast and this is him mm-hmm. you know he's advising them and directing them. And that's the thing is like so so many people are going to do this. This is like you know something that will happen for the rest of time. There will always be outplays of this archetype, and most will never get you know. The first is often the best. I don't know. I think it it doesn't matter if he says it first. I think he's just got to do it best. I think there will be a better Solomon. I feel like one could argue like Kanye kind of felt in that arc. We won't talk about recent (laughs) stuff, but like four years ago, I would say when he switched from – like he hit his lowest with the fucking uh, like porn awards little pump song, like the "You're such a fucking bah, I love it," and then he just switches to Christianity and becomes like it's kind of like presidential aspirations or whatever. But I would say he he fell in a similar sort of thing where he hit the top of like the cultural game and then tried to choose God, and you know now he's really on an interesting arc, but. You want to talk about Chinese? Let's talk about Chinese. This has been the other the other great focus of the past few months is that the ideograms that the Chinese language is composed of often have a fantastic similarity to Western symbols. And it is because they are both ideograms. It's not. It's not a. It's not necessarily synchronistic. It's more along the lines of when you draw something in the simplest way possible. You kind of universally we reach the same point, and this is what's so astounding about Horsey One is that in his pursuit of making an easy to draw horse, he draws the ideogram for horse perfectly um this is also why i kind of am more interested in the oracle bone scripts the seal scripts of chinese before it blocks off before it becomes blocks um it's straight it's initially round and you can see the pictures a little bit more clearly um but a lot of the work some of the work on my Substack has been just showing the parallels between the western symbols zodiac signs and soon i'm releasing the planets with their corresponding chinese um characters in terms of 
you know, when alphabets are introduced, do you think, I, I have two thoughts. One is whoever be inventing the alphabets and basically like breaking these systems must get, it's like a huge spell. It's like they must get so much power from that. But I guess why? You know, is it simplifying it for people? Because I would, it, it, is, it could be making it harder for them to understand. Is it's it making lazy it more scribes? It's lazy scribes. We get the best look at it in Egypt, where the hieroglyphs have existed for like tens of thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. And over time, they lose touch with the gods. Um, like the gods become fearful at certain points. They're terrifying to the Egyptians. And in this process of losing the sacred, they decide, well, you know, let's write in shorthand. Let's make hieroglyphs easier. You know, if you're writing like bills and shopping lists, it's going to be hard to, to make, you know, hundreds and hundreds of characters for every thing you write so they reduce it down to what is now called demotic egyptian which just takes 20 something hieroglyphs and you know each is associated with a sound with a letter and that's it and it's over and hieroglyphs as they were become something for really high up priests and it's lost it's lost to the world you know we only got it back through the rosetta stone um but the secrets are lost for a long time and with chinese like even though there are i think like 214 or 218 radicals most of them aren't used often most of them are not common uh you really only need a few of them to understand most things in chinese um and then, of course, Mao has the Chinese language simplified. You know, they get rid of a lot of characters and they um, take, they make those characters that are complex much easier so that everybody can do it. Um, so this, this, this just in, democracy is against the secrets of the universe. Duh. <laughs> I guess now, today, I would argue that a lot of your work would be sort of tracing the symbols reemerging through cultural trends online. Um, do you feel we have lazy scribes now, or w what is the state of modern? Language? I mean, we see it happen. We see, and we, I think, you know, since I started meme analysis, I think memes have gotten a lot worse. And like the fact that there are characters that are still used because we used to be at this like explosion of continuous new memes. And now we've kind of settled. Communities have settled on certain symbols to carry and they no longer are really interested in creating new ones. The creation of new ones is kind of cringe um, and forced. And this is sad because we were at this golden age of like, look at all of this outflowing of symbolic um genius and each one was actually funny and used a lot and now that doesn't happen anymore if there are um you know like a perfect amount of these symbols how, how many would you say there are roughly 
So like a hundred or maybe like two hundred. That's so hard to say. I really don't know. I mean, I would purse. I mean, I think the tarot, in that it's so long lasting, kind of is that. It kind of is everything needed. I think a good uh, work, maybe to add on to some of the correspondence, would be sort of consolidating all of the memes with their varying. Uh, associated symbols as well. I think the work. And that, that's what the meme analysis book is going to be, which has already been started. And I was actually just thinking this week that I'm ready um, to put it in to put it into um, the computer to like type it out. Big big things on the way. A return you, to you LA is being planned. A uh, beautiful factory the mia headquarters um many of the things we've discussed over the past two years are going to start to actually happen quite soon and it all starts with this deck which you can pre-order sort of right now we have 30 of them going to be handing them out very selectively so reach out if you're hearing this and you want one uh if you don't uh, happen to get one immediately we are going to have probably like a thousand maybe a month and a half from now so and i guess what I'll, what we'll say about this selective one is that um you know i think similar to effluvia you have to have a good reason but if you do have the right reason um it will be personalized and all you know you will be receiving something nobody else will i uh want to invite a surprise guest on the pod i'm going to try to give him a call uh, to talk about, see if we're allowed to talk about something we got to experience like a week and a half ago. Welcome to the message. Mother! <laughs> he said, I'll call you back. Wow. All right. All right. Um, What's next? We got I had a, a, David a McGowan. Secret return to L.A.? This week, secret. oh yeah, secret, secret return. We can't talk about. We can't talk about all of it, but we, I can talk about some of it. I had a beautiful fucking car, the Tom Thumb Mobile. <laughs> Insane. That's my. I love driving it here. That's a Miata. It just doesn't make sense on the East Coast because it rains all the time, and it's a convertible. They're all convertibles, so you just can't fucking have. Can you it. not put the hood up or it the thing up? It, they they leak. All convertibles leak. Damn. It sucks. I think we should do a Patreon goal for the Tom Thumb. <laughs> Patreon goal. We need a Miata. I mean, we could well, I don't even you're kind of you're you're much taller than me. You are not a Tom Thumb. You'd have some you'd have some difficulty fitting into it. It's a it's a tiny fucking car. We'll just have to put the the thing up so you can like stick all the way out. Um met up with friend friends of the pod, Zuriel, Matt. Sean and Anna. It was fun. Who was it that was like attacking Sean over the DMs? That was so funny. Oh my, the goon, one of the goons. Yeah, one of the goons misinterpreted friend of the pod. If we say friend of the pod, don't go DM them angrily. Um, we had oysters and shrimp, and it was marvelous. The secret LA return. Secret, secret LA, LA return. Um. 
Yeah, I'm excited. I had the worst fast food of my life there. Where from? Jack in the Box. The worst. And this is what happened. Back when I was living in East LA, in in Lincoln Heights, there was a Jack in the Box near where I lived. And I, I didn't go there much at all. But I had one time I got a chicken sandwich and it was banging. It was a very, it was like a good chicken sandwich, a good fast food chicken sandwich. Every time since, and it has only been twice since, it has been disgusting, abhorrent. And this time was the worst. So bad, I had to throw it up. I got like ill from the, it was so gross. It was so bad. It was like dry and just awful just awful so matt don't go to the malibu jack-in-the-box that's all i have to say i got food poisoning recently from uh mushrooms that were uh picked after a rainstorm uh up in massachusetts not uh psychoactive ones but had, yeah had a um a meteor a strangely you saw in, one? an inhumanly colored meter meteor might have crashed near there <laughs> It was terrible. It was like a freaking is the term diuretic is that piss no, or no. Like, I mean it it like freaking flushed my system. It was fucking horrible. They were and they tasted the piss, like the piss out of They space. tasted fine, but they were like the texture of oyster oysters when they were cooked. The color. And I ate like freaking like 20 of them. The color was beyond description. <laughs> a little Lovecraftian gooning. I but I was actually traveling through New England and I couldn't really find out where I was. I was in this very eldritch, terrifying town. There were creaking, almost non-Euclidean um, shaped houses that were like crooked over themselves. And a man, he creaked out at me. He said, <laughs> there was a crooked man. Um, oh, I want to talk about David McGowan. So in the past... Two weeks, I have gone through weird scenes in the canyon and programmed to kill, and I am now McGowan-pilled. I actually, I think he might be a flat earther also, but I, <laughs> I kind of have a suspicion that if that's the vibe, that they got to like toss some stuff in there to discredit him. So they just like, you know how the CIA will have like um, aliens fake abduct people. I think they probably like gave him some leads that were like pushing him to start being a flat earther. But I don't know. The other books, they're good. They're very, very fascinating. I think uh, main takeaway is uh, a lot of very famous uh, cultural figures have had ties to military intelligence. I think the likelihood that that still is happening is weirdly pretty plausible. Nah, bro. That was just back then. Nothing happening anymore. You're right. I should stop um, asking about it. Um, what really matters is the originators of the trends. Is Guy the Ray, Bluebeard, <laughs> the, the Marquis de Sade, the originators of hippie culture. Truly, Marquis de Sade and Guy de Ray. Guy de Ray is so fascinating. Is I don't know. You're, you're the French. You 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 know French better. How do you pronounce it? Giles, Jill. I say Giles. I think is wrong. I think it's Guy Guy Um, I could be wrong. Let's let's pull up Google Translate. Jill, Jill, Gil. All right. What do we get? Pronunciation. Forvo.com is going to show us. Let's hear. Gilles de Ray. G. 
Gilles? Yeah. Gilles Deray? All right. Best, bestie, BFF of Jean d'Arc? No Jean- one wants to talk about that. Um, no, one, no one wants to talk about uh, all the conversations they had about their, you know, their their interests in world sports. Yo, this just gave me such a profound thought about that, actually, because Joan of Arc is so young when all of the things are happening. You know, she dies as a teenager, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's like. You know, that is like the impression left on him. He, he like witnessed the kind of ultimate child god moment of that era. And his response was to murder other children. It's kind of like Herod. It's kind of like a very inverted and distorted form of that myth where he's like Herod, but too late. Like... You know, when, when, or maybe, you know, Moses and Jesus and Krishna and Tom Thumb, they're all threatened at birth by wicked mm-hmm. kings. And the kings always kill lots of children to prevent the happening of the Tom Thumb Harpocrates. And of course, Ghidorah is with Joan of Arc and then becomes this archetype of the Saturnian, like, no, no. I mean, do you think he only started after he knew her? I'd say highly likely, yeah. I mean... What are the odds? I I just feel like, um, you know, why did she get... You you could argue it parallels Jesus in the sense of, um, you know, Jesus got, 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 but she gets got by, it's like the Duke of Burgundy or something. Um, just a few years after she, you know, is like next to the new French king and they, uh, in the Hundred Years' War. But, you know, one would wonder if maybe Mr. DeRay was like, ah, and like sends her into England and be like, fuck off. I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like after you fight in a holy war, what do you, what do you do after? What do you do after you've done the most important thing of your life? Murder. Like kids I, I think in your I, that, this, yeah, this is what mo- movie stars do. It's like after you've after you've become fucked up, you go in on yourself. Like um like Norma Desmond in um in Sunset Boulevard. She like you know, she'd be she'd be killing somebody younger after she has lost her, her fame and fortune. I think that's that's actually likely true. Is once you have been uh, archetypally possessed by the deities, that all that's left is trying to emulate poorly. But we're also getting a guest call in right now for our uh, potentially last subject of the pod today. So get ready for the secret guest. Howdy, you are on the MIA pod right now. Howdy, oh my God. Tell us who you are, secret guest. Hello. Um, I'm a secret filmmaker from Connecticut. Um, I just did a new movie. Um, it's not really like some shit we can really talk about, you know. I mean, you guys know why. But, uh, my initials are RJ Buckingham. 
And um, yeah, tell tell us about the history of snuff snuff films. How many uh, have you made? I mean, in terms of like ritualistic murders on camera, yeah, that's probably a hundred percent a thing. But in terms of like the origins of commercial snuff films being like produced for an elite syndicate. I think oh, you're yeah. like um, you're like Thomas Aquino. You're coming on the pod to publicly dispel the satanic killings while also being implicated in countless uh, pedophilic, you know, like abuse cases at military base daycares. But can we actually? Can I? Can does it? Are you okay to be on as Lewis? Is that all right? The what? I'm R.J. Buckingham. Are you okay to be on as Lewis? We want to talk to you about uh, the event a couple weekends ago. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually Lewis. I'm just being a goofball. I'm not a filmmaker in Connecticut. That was all. Uh, that was all ruse. Can Chris, can we break? Can Lewis? we break the Lewis? Perhaps one of the best friends of the pod. One of the best friends we made while out in LA. Um, very talented young man. With beautiful locks and blue eyes. Can we talk? Can we break the uh, the NDA? Even though we, you know, didn't really sign it. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't break the NDA because I don't want Vince Gallo to sue me for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Can All we right. talk in like contours, like draw around the event, but not say anything about once we were inside? I think it's more the NDA was for the actual Q&A itself, which, to be honest, I did not watch because I was just hanging out downstairs. So you okay. can't – you are unable to I even think, break the NDA. I think we can discuss, like, what we were doing. Like, we just all hung and had a good time. You guys watched right. Gallo. When, when we were in the kitchen? Yeah, we hung out in the kitchen. We found a we found a fed. We uh, The Dark Brothers Possibly sniffed him out. Fed, yes. We found a suspicious fella by the name of REA. If anyone knows an REA who works for CAA, um, you know, we need our snoops on Snoop listeners to go dig into this fella. He's very um, sad. Like he seemed like a nice man. But when he did the tweet about us. A uh, young boy at the end of the night that was kind of obnoxious. He but. fought someone at the end of the night. <laughs> Oh, there was a tweet about us that uh, Lucas sent me. What's what was yeah, the tweet? You guys are you guys are you guys are like millennials. They thought Insane. we were millennials, though. One of the worst accusations, but we True. beat it easily. Um, There's very very few permissible millennials. Lewis is is one of them. But um, thank you, I try. Yeah, no. Someone said, like, "Oh, they, they were heard. watching." Oh, you go. <laughs> This well, is, let's just this, read I'm it. Like, let's I'm just having, read like, it. Auditory hallucinations because my phone is all fucked up and I'm like bugged and I'm like one of my eardrums hurts right now having the phone next to my head and also next to the computer. But uh, I'm I'm right now. All right, hold on, hold on. Oh, Chris is hold finding on. the tweet right now. Yeah, but it was a it was a good time. Um, right. Overheard a group of grown adult millennial men at the NYC Vincent Gallo event 
smoking cigarettes in a circle, discussing their Zodiac placements for maybe half of the duration of Buffalo 66. Um, I've fucking seen Buffalo 66 dozens of times. I'm not going to rewatch it when I have the opportunity to instead explore the divine secrets. We were, we had the strongest vibe there and the disgusting New York NPCC goers, they had, had to try to, try to fuck with it. I would say you guys did have the best vibe there. Um, like I love NPCC. It's a great thing. And I'm like, I really like that all these like New York kids come out, but MIA strongest vibe at the Gallo. 100%. After you heard it here. Yeah. Look at that. Um, Gallo's vibe literally indescribable. He was really cool. Like everything you wanted, basically. He still got it. Still got it. I think he's got a few more in him. I would love to see at least, you know, promises, but a new movie with him. It's an exciting idea. It's an exciting potential. Perhaps somewhere far away, far from the the decadence of the West. Uh, wait, Lewis, I want to hear your hot takes on people who uh, work in film in the U.S. What's wrong with them? Um, they're lazy. I would say this isn't like I'm not saying everyone is. Um, it could definitely be like just the people i surround myself and the company i keep that has led to this um conclusion but sorry i'm eating some chicken as i'm talking this is very rude Um, is it tasty the what is the chicken tasty dude it's so tasty it's um hawaiian chicken it's like grilled i'll stop eating it it's very i'm trying to say something but anyways um I hover mostly in the independent film scene, so I'm kind of speaking more on that. Um, It's a very uh, filmmaker and aesthetic scene, it seems. Um, And this goes all the way from, like, the zero budget up to the people, like, making some more, like, substantial lower-level indie films still. Um, I've just found, like, you know, leaving the country... You're just going to get crews that care more. Because, um, like, realistically, everyone on set wants to be a director. And I feel like it's kind of hard for old people in America to kind of, like, humble themselves and, like, you know, be an AD or be an assistant AD. Or... So Absolutely. You know, there's always just, like, a real hard time, from my experience, getting people to do what they say and not try to, like stick their finger in or like just completely sabotage projects for like just weird ego reasons. This this is why American filmmaking is becoming demotic and not hieroglyphic. We need more hieroglyphic crews. We need people who are like, I don't understand the secrets, but I'm still going to help portray them. Lazy scribes. That's lazy. It's very very lazy, but like also, I'm not like a great filmmaker either. So I don't really want to say like I'm more (laughs) exactly not lazy. Um, I've just kind of, I think, got to the point with like what I want to do where I I really just can't have 
Uh, I can't risk with the small budgets that I have having people around who are potentially going to like just kind of, you know, ruin what I've like what I've worked on for like more than a year. That happened unfortunately with my last project. But uh, the next one we're getting a little. We got we're doing in as you guys know, but Serbia. So the Serbian. I think I don't know. Like I guess to answer your question in a weird roundabout way, it's probably a cultural issue. Like one American one could say you're making you're are, making like a Serbian film, film, you know. <laughs> I've heard actually from Lewis that the the Serbian film is overrated. Yeah. Tell us about the hamster films you were telling me about yesterday. What hamster films? The, ja- guinea the Japanese. Oh, guinea, oh, guinea pig. Oh, guinea pig. Yeah, 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 that one. They're just like old uh, from the late eighties or films from Japan. Uh, first one's called Devil's Experiment. And it was like a faux snuff film. Um, it was also directed by the producer of it. And then uh, the second one, all of the uh, weird uh, Japanese stands, they're going to probably get upset. But um, ah, shit, what's the guy's name? He's like one of the... I, I forgot his name. He's like one of like the early gore artists, like comic artists, hero or something. I'm going to Google it, but they did a second film, which is called flowers of flesh and blood, which is like infamous flowers. I got to get this artist's name. Flesh and blood. Um, It was like kind of Blair, what happened? How, how long was I out? Hayadishi, Hayadishi Hino. Damn, that's what the, the that's fuck? the comic artist. He's like a popular Japanese comic artist, but he teamed up with them. So it's like more of like a stylized, extremely gory, mean film. But uh, it was bootlegged a lot in the US. And um, there is the folklore around it that Charlie Sheen contacted the FBI when he saw parts of Flowers, Flesh and Blood, proving it was real. And like they actually like went to the production I think I guess interpolled it or something and had to make sure it was fake which it was but then the rest of them kind of turn into just weird Japanese comedies after Flower of Flesh and Blood like the two are incredibly mean Can you hear me now, Chris? Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there something okay, that you guys are connected to that would be better than me on a cell phone? Oh, we could add you through that, but we might actually. Oh, fuck, I don't know if the recording. No, saved. I think the recording. For real? I just don't see it anymore, is the thing. I mean, well, hopefully it did. I'd be really fucking pissed if it didn't. We might just works. end the episode pretty quickly here, but something really strange was just happening. I can like, maybe this is something that's common, but if I point my phone at the screen, Chris, can you see that light? Yeah. What the fuck is that? My, my camera is not on. That's how they work. They're always okay. emitting some kind of shit. All right, let's find out. Well, I think, no, I do think it's still recording because it says like 47 minutes. It's not like a new one. Let's just find out. Let's, let's end it. All right, we might just end the pod here. We'll have you on officially as a, a real guest another time, Lewis, but thank you for thank the you for foray. Talking. Anytime. Do you, want, do you guys want to do your thing and give me a ring back later? Yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. All right, All right see ya. God bless both of you. Thank see you. ya. Bye. <laughs>
you want to end it? Yeah. All right. Hopefully this is all saved. We can I think it is. It, I got a good feeling. Maybe this episode will stay up for a little while. What's that no. supposed to mean? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like sometimes uh Listen, sometimes things, things just go, go to the server they, they and then they disappear. I don't know. There's a lot of other people working on this project who make decisions that we don't get a lot of say in, you know? True. This is the girl. This is the podcast. All right.